0: Casual Friday. Actually, not so casual of a Friday. A little bit of a formal Friday for you. What is up, everybody? And welcome into the DMBR Nuggets Podcast Friday edition, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. You might not see Eric. You might not see Harrison. You might not see Brendan or Dev. They've all got a three-day weekend coming up. A little quick start, but I am joined by a very special guest, both to the people watching this and also extremely special to me, one of my favorite people from our trip to Serbia and somebody who maybe I learned more than any from, from any other single individual. He is Miloš Jovanović, host of the Sixth Foul Podcast, or maybe I should say lichna How did I do there? lichna How did I do?
1: Applause. That, that, that's <laughs> all I'm on Not only for that, points for pronunciation of the podcast, points for pronunciation of my name as well. So pretty good.
0: There you go. I'm off to a great start. It's funny, man. I know... Your English is, I think you actually speak better English than I do. And I, I mean that sincerely. There's Going a remote
1: through, possibility of that.
0: <laughs> but when you probably know this just from learning another language, speaking and reading it comes easier. Hearing it to me is the hardest part. And so like when I slow things down, okay, I can copy that. But when, especially with names, when I'm researching names and people are throwing these at me, they all sound like the same name to me.
1: Uh, that actually makes sense. I mean, it, it's a very strange language. Even, I mean, my name, for example, sounds horribly exotic to your American listeners and viewers. <laughs> in essence, I'm like the Serbian version of John Smith. I'm, I'm like as vanilla as they come, seriously. So it, that no. that's like, uh, you know, the, the top five surnames in Serbia are probably Jovanović, Janković, Djordjević, Petrović, and another. So really? uh, it's extremely common. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, when I was Googling for a photo or something, I kept coming on a bunch of different people. So I think you're right. I, there's a lot of... No, no, messages. no. There is,
1: a, there is a there is a person in the you know political scene in this country who actually ran for
0: president under this name. It's not me, but uh, it exists. exists. It exists. Well, there there you go. Um, so it's just a little backstory. You know, I interviewed a handful of people while I was out there. We obviously talked to a lot of different people just casually, but formal interviews. Milos was one of the people that we really talked to and... Uh, you guys will see this on the documentary. He will be heavily featured. I'm glad I get to sort of introduce you, uh, introduce the audience to you before then so you get a, a sense of it. But he'd be heavily featured because he really, in my opinion, told me the story and eventually will tell you all the story of the Yugoslavian basketball team and the Serbian basketball team in particular during the late eighties and early nineties in a way that was just so fascinating. And it's a lot of people have commented, Adam, you really seem to have grasped a lot of Serbian culture. I think, there's a lot of people to think for that. But, Milos, I really, I mean this sincerely. I think I got more from you than, than just about anyone else. And I, I, I get the sense that that's a story you both love to tell, but also one that you are very experienced in telling.
1: Well, uh, the fact that I lived through it... Uh, it brings a lot. I mean, as you know, as as people said, you know, write about what you know and uh, about your experiences. Somehow, this is the first time. I mean, we we had some documentaries in Serbian language regarding those subjects. Not a lot, but we had some, and I participated in some, and I wrote some, you know, pieces and essays and whatever. But uh, basically, it comes natural to me because I lived through it. I was of the right age. You know, you're you're fairly impressionable when you're 15, when you're 16, 17, 18, sure. and so on. You're young, you feel you can take the world on, you know, and stuff like that. So basically, this is all happening just at the key juncture in, in lives of people who are about my age. First, you're you you're starting high school, which is a big thing in, in life of every uh, individual who feels that he's soon to become an adult. But in essence, he's not. But that's how we feel at the time. So you feel so powerful uh, physically, spiritually as well. And it's happening at the same time when the country is coming out of a very hard period basically it's coming out of right. you know a couple years worth of strife cues, uh, sanctions and wars and whatnot so it's happening right right there it's right there like it's really behind the corner so it's it's kind of hits you in the face and starting from that point nothing is the same anymore because uh, all the disenfranchisement all the disempowerment which you have felt during the 90s is actually going away, just evaporated in smoke, going with uh, nine three-point shots of Alexander Georgievich in the finals. <laughs> so, uh, starting from that point on, you, you're finding your swagger back. Uh, you start re-identifying with, uh, you're re-identifying with, uh, with uh, you know the culture and everything, and uh, all of a sudden you're starting to believe because you're you're a bit too young. I was a bit too young for the late '80s, you know, and the early '90s. But still, those names resonate. You know, Drajan Petrovich uh Cook, Coach Rajan, so all those names. So then all of that falls silent. And then four years after you're back with a bang. Like you're reintroduced to a competition, you win it straight away. Then you play the Americans once so you didn't win it another time. did you win it another time. So it's it's like a key formative event in the lives of most people my age who are into sports. And even those who are not into sports, I think they felt it really strongly at the time.
0: It was such a big event. And as you mentioned, what I like about the story, and again, a lot of our American audience is thinking, what story? Again, a big part of the documentary is going to be me giving my a perspective on this story and, and, and sharing Miloš's perspective that he shared with me. It's going to be about that. But yes, it was a story that's so interesting to me because it's a basketball story that weaves in and out of culture, history, and everything else of Yugoslavia slash Serbia in a way that I just think is so fascinating. So I that. To give you a little teaser that that's a large part of what this documentary or whatever you want to call it is going to be about but i want to talk to you today milos about this tournament here uh, with team serbia because it's so fascinating and here's where i want to start i talked to you and miroslav and milan and all these people beforehand just to get a sense what's expected of team serbia it seems to me like this coming into this season or this euro basket The expectation was question mark. We don't know. There's a lot of mystery. If you can rewind your mind two weeks, what did you feel were the expectations for this team? And has the team surpassed them or met them or underperformed them, in your opinion?
1: I think we have met the sheer basketball expectations, but I feel we have overperformed in a certain different aspect. And I'm going to let you know. Um, We have been burned quite a few times in the last, you know, I'm going to say 20 years. So we had better and worse spells, and we had a couple of silver medals thrown in, and we had a really good spell with coach Georgievich before this. Uh, but somehow we were always missing that final touch. You know, you, you, you get somewhere in the Americans beat you, you get the 2017 Eurobasket finals, and then there's the unfortunate game versus Slovenia, where, you know, we, we lose a bunch of key players, and uh, Dragic heats up all of a sudden, you can't contain him. Uh, but the thing is, what, what, I, what I really like about this team right now is that it seems that he has rediscovered the unbeatable aura which really great Yugoslav and Serbian teams used to have. So in in this tournament, I mean, the group was relatively easy, let's just put it that way, with all due respect to the teams which we have faced. However, as the tournament progressed, you could see it was a bit jittery against Netherlands, and you could see it was a Maybe less nervous against the Czech Republic, but then we absolutely blasted Finland, which is not a bad team by any means. Right. And we played a good game against Israel and we played a really good game against Poland. And against Poland, you could feel it that uh, we had that case, which I haven't felt for a long time, something like 20, 25 years, that uh, the opponents are starting to lose it in the tunnel. You know, that they see your players. And they're starting to lose it in the tunnel. So uh, how did how does that trend? I mean, the really good Yugoslav sides, the really good Serbian sides of the past would win half the battle, literally at halftime. At halftime, they would just blast you, and then they would coast to the second half. Right? We right. haven't seen a lot of that. The basketball has improved over the years. You cannot really, you know, right. uh, let your guard down against the the, the Belgians and the Netherlands of uh, of this world because everybody has somebody who knows how to play. It's not the 1980s anymore in European basketball terms. And there is more than just five teams, obviously. But I think, I think they have rediscovered that aura, you know, which radiates when, when you have a really, really good team. So the others might find it intimidating when they see you warming up and when they see you coming out. Uh, whether that translates from group play to knockout stages is something which remains to be seen. But that's a good sign that's a good sign and i'm really curious to see how the things will unwrap coming into the knockout stages the bracket is reasonably tough the other half of the bracket is uh slightly easier let's just put it that way very slightly there is a couple of you know loose holes in the bracket let's put it that way and slovenia has run into one of them but they had a very tough group so obviously they got rewarded by that however my standpoint coming as a serbian basketball fan and as a yugoslav basketball fan is that uh you, you know you need to be at your best and you can't pick your you can't pick your bracket if you want to show that you're number one on this continent and this euro basket is for such purposes you have to win it all i mean you, you you don't get to pick the bracket the bracket picks you in a way and if, yeah. you, if you if you play your cards right if you play to your strengths and you play absolutely a game you bring your a game to the tournament I feel that, you know, the only right way is to be the best team, which is ahead of you.
0: So I think pulling off of what you're saying here, 5-0 and was expected when you just saw the bracket. So in that mm-hmm. way, you met expectation because it was, hey, this is a team that's good enough to beat all of those. And to lose one of them would be probably disappointing. It be disappointing. I think what you're saying, it's not the end of the world, but yeah. But it would be like, hey, you should have won those games. All of them you were favored in, you should win all the ones you're favored in. So... But what it is is then it becomes we're judging what the team looks like. We're judging, hey, do they look good? And that, to me, is what stood out. The Finland game, the Poland game, and moments in every game, they just look like, hey, this team actually has a high gear when they want, and we've seen it. It's one thing to see a flash of a team with a high gear, and it's another thing to see a sustained full game of that, and we got both. So I think that's why, we. for me personally, I look at this team and I go, I knew they were going to have Jokic. I knew they would have Michic. So I knew they would have some some peaks, but we've seen them sustain those peaks where it all came together with all the players, and that's why I'm so encouraged by it. Um, my other question is, how much improvement have you seen from this team in the last three weeks? Because to me, when I watched them, at, at, yeah, in the friendlies, I was like, this team's not that good. When I watch them now, I think I'm so impressed with how connected they are. So three weeks is not a lot of time. What have they gotten better at?
1: No, they've gotten better at team play. I think they got to know each other. You have to understand, this is basically the first time this kind of unit is uh, participating in the big tournament. Uh, We had Jokic in 2019. We had Jokic in 2016. But that was a different Jokic, and that was a different team. That's two things which yeah. are key to, to single out. But we never had Mitic kind of you know playing uh, the you know the beta dog. If, if 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 Jokic is the alpha dog, Mitic is is clearly the, the robin to this to this combo. And uh, basically speaking, we never we never saw him flourish completely in a national team shirt. Sure, there was flashes, there was a games here and there, but here apparently, I mean, it's obvious because at a fest where he's playing club basketball, uh, he has one kind of a role. Uh, he's much more. Possession heavy, he maybe takes more initiative here. It looked like that during the first couple of games. Then it evaporated. You remember, we talked about this. And we are not seeing this, you know, the classic Mitzitz reset, which he's doing when he dribbles back and makes a half circle and then tries to reset another read and maybe try and, uh, you know, go another pick and roll or whatever. And uh, just uh, the thing is, he is finding... Quicker and smarter solutions, and even in one press, I mean, in a he was he was after the Finland game. I believe they spoke to him in the mix zone, you know, after the game, and he said, "Well, you know, we all know it all starts with Nikola," and he meant Jokic for the record, not not another Nikola huh. on this team. There's there's a couple of them, but uh, basically everybody is very quick to point the finger to the other guy. Like he says, "Hey, it all starts with Nikola." Nikola says, "Hey, we had good shooters." Coach is going to say, "Kalinic is my key guy." And yeah. everybody's going to say a different... You know, everybody's going to get praise, singled out and praised out. What I feel is they really gel together in a in a, in a a way that we haven't seen a Serbian national team look like in a while. I mean, especially the game against Finland is impressive because it kind of goes uh, back to the core tenets of Yugoslav basketball. Now, as you know, as you're aware of the research, yep. uh, Pesic is the guy who has basically been coaching for ages. He's been coaching for 41, 42 years by now. And uh, he coached a lot of those um, highly rated and uh, trophy-worthy youth teams, the, and it, actually, as you know, he coached one of the most successful youth teams in history of basketball—not just uh, European basketball, but world basketball. So, and going from there, you know, when I started playing basketball as a kid, and uh, I, I joined the first practice, it was basically the coaches would instruct you: do not over dribble when, when you're running a, when you're running an offense, when you're running a fast break. They're just like as less dribbles as possible; just pass the ball. Just pass the ball, pass the ball, and try—you know—try if possible. Just put it down as as much as it's necessary, but don't overdo it. And uh, that kind of reminded me. That kind of clicked back. That kind—you know—the the, the core essence. And I and I tweeted at that point: "This is textbook basketball." And it did look like a textbook basketball from a textbook that we wrote, mind you. Right. But it did right. look something like that. And I haven't seen that in a while. And you know the the. The flow of the game was so effortless. I mean, I, I've seen Americans compare it to Spurs of 14 or something like that, which is, I guess is a fair estimate. Yeah. But to me, it looked like those great Hugo teams of old. And I was really happy to see that how unselfish is going. And they were actually hitting the shots, which is the second most important thing when you're playing that brand of basketball.
0: Right. I. So this is what I find so fascinating about this story. And when I say this story, I mean the history of Serbian basketball and this team in particular is... In a lot of ways, though not always, I feel like Jokic is a quintessential Yugoslavian basketball player, I meaning he possesses so many naturally, or maybe it was learned and developed over his, the course of his lifetime, or some mixture of both. He possesses those skills. So to get a team to play this style, Jokic is a given to me. Like You could put him on any team, and if the team was willing to commit to this, naturally he's going to play it. And this for me, when I'm talking to Nuggets fans, and some Nuggets fans are, I'm not really into Eurobasket, I'm not into this. To me, I'm into Eurobasket in a vacuum. I just like it, but I'm equally as interested in it because it's proof of concept to me. I've always said the Nuggets are going to win championships if they can learn how to play like the 2014 Spurs, This where Jokic is maybe the fulcrum, but everybody's playing. To me, this seems like a proof of concept of that. This is a team that is playing that way, and it's incredible to watch, and, and that's why I'm so sort of into this team specifically. But I want to ask you, I, I tend to co- credit Coach Pesic a lot for this. How much do you credit the team coming together in the way that they have like this to him? Or is it too simplified to say, hey, he deserves the lion's share. This is all of the guys that have these skills and will to do it.
1: That's a great question. I'm going to say diplomatically this is a team effort. But uh, basically, I think there is a lot of Pesic touch to it. I mean, he is the guy who could, who could you know, he had situations where it looked effortlessly. You know, like 2001 tournament, that was a blast. Nobody, nobody could come close to us. Then in 2002, um, 2002, all of a sudden it's like, hey, this chemistry is a bit off. I mean, uh, one of the better players from 2001 is missing on the tournament. The others are not getting superbly along. And everything, you know, there's this, 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 you know. And and then you feel everything is going to implode. And then it be the Americans. So kind of it was a bit out of the blue as a, you know, whatever third seed in the group losing to Spain and losing to Puerto Rico. And uh, then it's like, you know, it, it, it can come both ways with Pesic. I mean, the, the fun part is he never returned from a tournament without a medal and it usually was a gold. But I'm, I'm going to say he has a large, uh, a large uh, part in this. And the fact that he's like 73 and his team is playing extremely modern right now is a big testament to his adaptability. Because this is a man who was basically pulled out of semi-retirement. He had a, a hip injury a couple of years ago, and uh, you know he was in. He had surgery. Had to, you know, take a break for like a year or so. And the first job he gets after taking break is Barcelona. I mean, you, you don't really get get a guy who is like 70 years old, and you just say, hey, you know. Uh, if, if you don't know anything, Barcelona is a high-profile post in European basketball. Right, right. So basically, that's that's the amount, that's the, the reputation and the standing which he has. Of course, his previous jobs at Barcelona when he won a Euroleague didn't hurt. But the fact is, at the age of 71, and you know, you're like, okay, we have a vacant coaching spot. We have a very expensive team. And uh, you know, we could we could we need a coach Hmm, who are we gonna call? Hey, what's Pesic doing? I mean, how many 70 year olds in the business, you know, that you're gonna get a call from Barcelona in the middle of nowhere? So, when the opening uh appeared for the national team in Serbia after the the last year and everything which went on, um, for us, I mean, the basketball fans, it was obvious that they're gonna call Pesic, and they even started making those you know ESPN like last dance banners with uh, with Pesic and all those uh big players before, like uh i mean obviously some of them didn't get to play but yeah this this does feel as that he's rounding the circle in his career and that everything is coming into play. he started with the youth teams uh he did everything in between and now he's coaching a talented generation hopefully towards the middle
0: and it's one of the storylines i've liked i've talked about this on this show a lot serbia has done a good job in my opinion as an outsider of tying the past to the present to the future and this just is one more way of doing that where you're having a coach of the past even though I know he's present as well but a a legendary coach of the past sort of handing off and and hopefully sending off this new generation in a good place before he steps out of the light I just they do that very very well but here's what's interesting about that question and I'm not going to ask you this Milos but I am going to ask the audience this and just something to think about Jokic is natural at playing this style of basketball Pesic you think deserves a lot of credit how do the Nuggets get there American culture and NBA culture in particular is very different from Serbia. And it's a big challenge. Very few teams have played that brand of basketball successfully in the NBA. It's a real challenge that I don't think everybody understands how hard it is. And one of my questions watching this is, how do the Nuggets get there? Is it more leadership from Jokic where it's easier to be a leader in his native tongue and with his people he's known his whole life? And it's harder to do that in a foreign language with people that basically are given to him as teammates, is that part of it? Is it Jamal Murray? Is it Michael Malone? Is it the whole team coming together? It's an interesting question. And to me, it's going to be an underlying question for this entire season, but that's a question for another day. I want to ask, because I've fallen in my research. I've fallen in love with Djordjevic. He might be my favorite non-Jokic Serbian basketball player of all time. He was the coach though, in 2016, was he not of the, uh, for when Jokic played the last time?
1: No, 2019 you're talking about when Jokic played the last time, the World Cup no, when in Jokic, China.
0: Okay, 2019, 2019, okay. So what's funny is not knowing who he was or anything about him at that time, my first in, impression of him was I hated him because he was playing Jokic at power forward and you know coming off the bench. So it's kind of funny that I have these two people in my mind, one who I couldn't stand and one who I'm in love with and it's the same person. Is there Was he a good coach?
1: I believe he was. Uh, the, the thing is with, with Georgievich, you're always going to have like, it's very difficult coming to coach. First of all, let's just put one thing straight. He came to coach the national team at the absolute dead end of it. I mean, nobody wanted the job. Basically, he was the only man who wanted the job. And he inherited a team which qualified for the World Cup in 2014 by virtue of a technicality because normally six teams qualify from the European zone, right? Serbia ended up seventh. Right. But because Spain was the host, that one place shifted, and we beat Italy in 2013 Eurobasket for the seventh place in a bracket, and we qualified by virtue of technicality. So, and then you saw it, it was a bit of, you know, rough start, let's say we lost a couple of group games, we qualified as a fourth seed, and then we actually throttled Greece and Brazil. Uh though that was there were blowout games. And then we, you know, the whole team miraculously came together. And I think at that point in time, everybody in the country was saying to himself, if any man can pull this together, it's Georgievic. You're aware of Georgovich, the you're aware of Georgovich the player, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean basically is the player walks in water. That's that's yeah. that's what it goes. That's pretty much what it goes. And as as far as I'm concerned, and as far as many people are concerned, he's faultless. So many people were actually willing to overlook his flaws, which there are, because basically at the time when he's taking the national coaching post, he's a rookie coach. He, do, he just had a short spell in Italy, briefly, and he even went on public record saying coaching is not something which I'm interested in. This is you know too stressful. This is too hard for me. Yeah. So uh, turns out, as it turns out, he's pretty decent. It. And he came at an absolute low point when we had like back-to-back underperforming Eurobaskets failed to mm. qualify for the London Olympics, which was supposed to be a big project for a generation of players. So he steps in, steers back the ship, wins a couple of gold medals. Sure, he missed out on a couple of things as well. And he had his flaws, definitely. But I feel in history, I think we will be looking at the Georgievich era where actually he steadied the ship, not necessarily results-wise, but I'm going to say he brought the fate back to the people. And I believe he was the right man in the right place for the job.
0: Interesting one. I got two quick ones for you because I kept you long already. But my first one is, has enthusiasm for this team in Serbia been more, less, or equal to what you expected before it began? And the reason I ask this is I know I asked people, hey, the game in Serbia, let's get tickets early. And a lot of people said it won't be sold out. Don't worry about it. It was sold out. So is there more, less, or equal enthusiasm for this run than what you expected? I think it's
1: slowly simmering to a boil. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to be super interesting in the beginning because, you know, last year was painful. 2019 was painful. So yeah. people are approaching, you know, with a grain of salt. But it doesn't take a lot to throw Serbs in a frenzy, you know, as, as, as you're aware, that happens really, you know, from zero to 100 in, in the space of 15 seconds. So yeah. um, right now, I think everybody is still very cautious. And I really respect it. They're, they're a good team and they, they gave us a hell of a game in the in the in the in the olympic qualifier tournament last year but that was a different Italy and that was this that was a different Serbia this is a different story walking in with this momentum Serbia will have to be extremely careful I really respect Italy and I respect everybody from the bracket but I feel that now we might have the edge which was necessary which we didn't have a year ago
0: the last one for you just what what is the Serbia most vulnerable in your opinion what what trait is it that would if you they lose it's going to be because of this
1: well uh one thing which I was being afraid of was overconfidence. And yeah. uh, at, at certain times, in certain games, I have seen that Serbia has a bit of, you know, a couple of dead spots, usually start usually happening around third quarter. Now, uh, we saw against Netherlands, against uh, Czech Republic, every game, except maybe the Finland and the Poland game, but every game we had spells where somebody would come back, right? Right. And then you could say, you could see a Peshish timeout, tightening of the clamps and saying, look, okay, this is where it stops. The buck stops here and we're going to just take over our game again. Now, that worked against those teams. But what I'm, you know, I, I saw that happen against Greece as well. And I saw that happen against Turkey as well. And they found a way to swim through it. So if something is going to be an undoing of Serbia at this tournament, it's going to be uh, the inability to overcome those gaps in play, which will happen inevitably because nobody's perfect, not even, you know, the greatest things were but those gaps when they happen they have to find creative ways to go around that and uh, we have seen bits of that we have seen you know snippets of that but can we can can this translate to something palpable in the knockouts is what remains to be seen i mean i'm cautiously optimistic i'm going to tell it that way
0: cautiously optimistic i think is the right word and the right approach for all of this but i'm having a hell of a time i know you are as well now we get a little bit more extra nerves uh, here as we approach this next week, but I'm looking forward to it. Milos, I can't thank you enough for what you've already provided. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk.
1: Thank you for calling me and you know, glad to oblige.
0: Alrighty, uh, go ahead, Kale. let's take it to break. Uh, on the other side, we're gonna bring in Andre Simone and talk a little bit about Team Italy. But first I gotta tell you, you guys know our trip to Italy. You know, the, or I'm sorry, our trip to Belgrade and of course Sambor made that possible none other than ivaca tv they were our sponsor there and they're also going to be hosting and broadcasting the documentary or featurette that we're working on right now uh that will be on ivaca tv you know what else is on ivaca tv the denver nuggets colorado avalanche they'll be there all season uh long you can't get them on comcast never go back to comcast if we can get that terrible corrupt organization out of our lives forever uh then then it would be the best thing possible. Oh, look, we got Andre in here to help me with Ivaca. <laughs> if, if, if we could do that, uh, it would be the best thing possible. So, check out Ivaca TV. Lots of people have been hitting us up telling us that they have made the switch. The documentary was the thing that pushed it over. And if you want a link, you could find it in the descri- the description TV slash Colorado 10. That's E V O C A dot TV slash Colorado 10. No contracts, no catches. Ivaca TV is made for champions of the remote also want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. You guys know them, the presenting sponsor of this show. Football fans, what is this Sunday? Yes, it is the Eurobasket first round, round of 16, but is also the start of the NFL season. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't miss offer to celebrate and return the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for week one, everyone, not just new people, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team ever leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. How great is this? This is a nice little hedge. Not only, so you can bet on them to win, you get paid, but even if they're just up by 10 at any point, you get paid. What a great deal. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All righty. Um, there you go. All right, we got Andre Simoni in the house. He is the general manager here at DNVR. He is also Italian. Which I think gives yeah. you an area of expertise. I shouldn't say just Italian. Yeah. He's an Italian and also a big European sports fan. He always has yeah. all of the inside detail on European sports, in particular Italy. So we brought you in. How weird is it, Dre, that I'm breeding you in to be the enemy?
2: I mean, it's uh, it's fine. You know, I'm I'm really – I'm half rooting for Serbia. I'm kind of waiting for this Italy run to be over so I can go full-blown on Serbia like the rest of you guys. Being an Italy basketball fan um, for the last sixteen years has been about as miserable as being a Nuggets fan. So you know, like uh, I'm right at home. So uh, it's I'm, I'm ready to get this over with and make my misery end, Adam. So it's it's fine. It's a great eulogy to write to you, Italian basketball.
0: What is the glory days of Italian basketball?
2: It, it overlaps with the glory days of Yugoslavian basketball. It's that, you know, it's, it starts in the 80s where Italian basketball was actually the premier league. You know, obviously the last two decades, it's been the ACB. But that used to be where the top players like Tony Kukoc was playing in Italy before um, going to the NBA. When Dominic Wilkins retired, he came to Italy. Um, even at the end of the aughts, you know, Mike D'Antoni is a coach who comes to the NBA from Benetton Treviso, where Skido was drafted, where Andrea Bargnani was drafted. And it really probably all peaks in 04 when Italy, right after Puerto Rico did it, demolishes the U.S. in a pre-Olympic friendly, um, a YouTube video I'll still go to watch sometimes when I feel down. They win the silver, losing only to Manu's Argentina and uh, medal ahead of the U.S. And right as that happens, we start to have guys drafted in the first round, drafted high, Gallo and Bargnani, obviously high lottery picks. A little, a little too
0: high, perhaps.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> that was also a whack draft because all of a sudden yeah. a, a class was eliminated. You couldn't draft high schoolers. You had to wait for that freshman class to come in. Um, and even though that next gen seemed to have this like pedigree that no generation of Italian basketball has ever had, this group of players, and now we're like two generations into that, has really struggled to recapture that mm. magic. And it's kind of been correlated to Italian clubs and Italian basketball losing several steps to the glory days. And, mm. you know, a lot of it is financially based where the money in Italian sports just isn't there. And while soccer might be able to maintain a little bit, basketball really suffering. Do you have a EuroLeague team? Yeah, uh, the Milan team is my EuroLeague t- team. There, it's a tough fit for me. Their main sponsor is Armani. I'm not exactly a very high fashion guy, but you know, he's a great owner, so I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, my my team is uh, Armani Milano. So there you go.
0: I, I would love if you were um, just wore Armani. Even though it's, it doesn't fit your vibe necessarily. If you're like, hey, man, it's my team. I'm coming in a suit. I've got my bag.
2: <laughs> Not just, it's my team, man. Um, if, I, if I could, I would pull it off, Adam. But I, I grew up in the fashion capital of the world and went counterculture and just decided to dress like a bum. So that's where I'm at. Go.
0: That's hilarious. Um, can you walk me through what happened in the last game, like, our last time these two teams match up? Because I understand that Italy knocked Serbia out the last time. Are you How familiar are you with it?
2: Yeah, I was watching. It was a bit of a fever dream. It was a much different Serbia team and a much different setting because it was an Olympic qualifying tournament. But to get to the final and beat those guys was uh, a big surprise. And it's a very similar team for Italy than the team the team that they had last summer. Um, so yeah, they they just faced off in uh, in this final, and Italy kind of demolished them. The final score ninety five to one hundred two actually doesn't really represent what a blowout that became in the second half italy just got hot from the three-point line guys couldn't miss um they had three dudes go off for 20 points or more and that was kind of a wrap micic was really the top player on that team that's still on this team and he didn't quite have it um and i think italy's length and shooting just uh Really hurt them, and they they were able to channel some really good perimeter defense, which has been a mixed bag um, for this national team. Since then, the biggest change is they have a new coach, Neo Sacchetti, a more um, vaunted coach was their coach last tournament. Now it's Djamakoko Pozzicco, who back in the day was kind of the AI of Italian basketball, this like flashy point guard um, who was also very controversial off the court. He does not have the kind of coaching chops that other national team coaches have had in the past for Italy. Uh, Milos had a great breakdown on kind of the coaching history and how uh, Sasha was kind of put in a rough spot in 2019 when no one else wanted the job. That feels like Puzzico this year because Italy, the one thing they have maintained is elite EuroLeague-level coaches. And right now, we don't have one of those elite EuroLeague-level coaches. We have a guy who's all heart and passion and kind of trying to build a new gen, a next cycle, you know, and hoping this can be more winning than the last almost 20 years of it.
0: Messina, D'Antoni,
2: what other, what other big names are there? Yeah. Messina, D'Antoni are the big ones. Um, I mean, and they, they blew it with Messina. I'm a, I'm blanking on a couple other ones. There's Simone yeah. uh, you on, Pianigiani. You on the yeah. No, no, uh, Pianigiani was really good with Siena and has coached around Europe prior to that. Um, his tenure was terrible. There's a great viral pick uh, um, video of him yelling at the bench, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Do you even care? Um, Gallo was on the bench for that. That was fun. Right. And then there's actually a, Bayern Munich. There's a phenomenal um Italian coach right now whose name I'm also blanking on but I mean the the Italian coaches are are good it's just uh hasn't worked out for the national team
0: I like this question here from Maxwell he says Adam do you think about this one and the reason I like it is because yes I do do you think about this one Doncic still very young and already won EuroLeague uh with Real Madrid and Eurobasket he's got some big wins under his belt Giannis obviously won an NBA championship Jokic hasn't won anything uh, any team trophy yet I actually do think about this a lot and I don't think about it in the terms of like oh Jokic is a loser you know like can he win I don't think of it in that I think of it in terms like this and again this is another reason why I think Nuggets fans should be interested in this even if they don't connect necessarily the same way I am with the Serbian team you still connect with Jokic and, and that is to say that I do think there is a confidence boost you get when you win something. For Giannis, getting over the hump and winning an NBA title to me makes the next one easier. Now, of course, they had injury luck last year, yes. just like the Nuggets did, and it took them out of it. But to me, I look at Giannis and I think he has less pressure now than he did two years ago before he had ever won anything. With Luca winning Eurobasket so long, so, uh, so young, winning a Euroleague yeah. title, it's not the same as the NBA. But it is something, in winning Eurobasket in particular, the way that he he and Team Slovenia did the last time around, is such a big deal that I have to think it makes an impression. And lastly, for Jokic, Eurobasket is big. I think he personally got a bump from winning the silver. And look, mm-hmm. I know from talking to a lot of Serbians, when you play Eurobasket, the gold is the standard. When you play the Olympics and the, uh, the World Cup, Gold, you would love, but there's an understanding that if the U.S. brings their 18, you can't yep. get too upset about losing to that team. Mm-hmm. And Jokic and Team Serbia almost beat Team USA one time in the regular play, and then almost, and then kind of got blown out of uh, out in the championship game and took a silver. That's like a silver and a half in a way when you lose to the mm-hmm. the totally you know focused USA team. So he has won, and I think that that silver medal actually gave him a confidence boost and has propelled him mm-hmm. to where he is now. And I think a gold medal one, I don't know Jokic well enough to say this, but I really truly believe it means a lot to him, and he'll just never say it. And if he gets yeah. it, to me, I think it'll mean a lot to him because he wants to bring a Eurobasket gold to Serbia. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a mistake or a coincidence that he's playing this year. He wants to bring that gold, and I think it'll give an added bonus, too, of... Like I said, proof of concept of, hey, I know what I need to do now to get an NBA championship. I need to find a way to get our team to play like that team. And, and that's why, to me, this is such an interesting week that is weirdly important for Team Serbia and for the Denver Nuggets.
2: Well, and I mean, as you've witnessed, like the, the, the pride Serbians have is huge. The pressure comes with that kind of pride. I think in some ways you could almost argue that this matters as much as an NBA title to a guy like Yoke. Um, this is a big deal. This is a big deal to be able to add that to the mantle. I mean, just, just remember how Dirk reacted when he finally was able to qualify Germany to the Olympics, qualify them to the Olympics, not win a medal, not win a trophy. Um, and I think that was a stage in Dirk's career where he had yet to win a title, Um this stuff really matters to these guys, and they're right. big deals in their home countries. Um, right. So, yeah, I think this would be huge for Yoke's legacy, no doubt.
0: Have you been impressed with Team Serbia so far? Do, do they look
2: to you like a ju- like not a juggernaut, but do they look like a favorite? <sighs> they do. They have moments where they look um, really good. What scares me is the lulls that they have and um, the somewhat streaky shooting. Like uh, if you're if you're not a, a dead-eye shooting team in these tourneys, you're always concerned of, especially with the lulls they've showed, that you're you're gonna catch that one team that just cannot miss from the three-point strike, and then uh, then you might be in trouble. But generally speaking, you know their length at forward and on the wings, you know beyond Jokic, is it, nice. They seemed deeper this year and it it seems like yoke's developed a bit more of a chemistry with some of his teammates and um you know they're kind of finding a way for him and Michich to both get to their games get to their shots without kind of stepping on each other's toes and i think that's huge
0: real quickly because we're going to get into this but have you been impressed at all we'll preview the the actual matchup on the other side but have you been impressed or unimpressed with italy so far
2: uh, oh, um, the the loss to the Ukraine was absolutely devastating. They had me. What happened
0: in um, that game? I didn't see it. Was it Svi? Did he go off?
2: No, I, well, they just got bullied on the boards. They, they were able to lose by oh. just two to Giannis and Greece, and that's because they were really hanging tough on the boards. And eventually in the second half kind of got hot shooting and were able to close what was a 16-point gap to a 12-point gap so I'm riding high coming off that near loss to Greece. And then they just got demolished, uh, to the Ukraine kind of put in their place. Um, and it's so, yeah, I haven't been super impressed. It's, a uh, the, the standard can only be so high. You only have so many high end Euro league guys on this team. You know, like Spain has an entire roster of high end Euro league or low end right. NBA guys. Um, Serbia is basically a starting five of those kind of guys. Greece has several more. We're just not not at that level. So you can only expect so much. And honestly, their backcourt is like infuriating and hard to watch a lot of the time.
0: Well, I want to pull on that thread because rebounding to me, if you told me the key to Serbia is rebounding, I go, oh, okay, they're going to win then. Because to me, it's the one thing I've always said. Jokic, I have so much faith in him to do a lot of things, but the number one thing I have faith for him to do is rebound. And if that's a key, yeah. I feel absolutely great about it. But first, I want to tell you guys about the Breckenridge Brewery Hoot Nanny. Breckenridge Brewery has a birthday coming up, 32 years young, younger than myself, Andre. Just just a wee pup, that Breckenridge Brewery. <laughs> to celebrate, Breck Brew is throwing a weekend long Hoot Nanny, kick off the fall of live music, food, beer, and of course, the games. October 8th and 9th, you don't have anything going on. That's right before the, the Nugget season. October 8th and 9th at their Littleton location, they've got national acts like the Spin Doctors. I remember them from my
2: childhood. Uh, Were you a spin doctor's guy there, Andre? No, not really. No, (laughs) not not quite a spin. I I don't think they made it to to Italy. They didn't didn't quite make it to Milan. Uh, You
0: could have lied for the ad. Uh, Local favorites, (laughs) Railroad Earth rocking out. So stay tuned to Everything DNR for the Hoot Nanny giveaways leading up to October 8th. And once again, check the link in the description uh, for more information as well as to purchase tickets also want to tell you about a brand new partner we have here. You guys know when we got brand new partners, we get excited. Travis Legal, you've been in a car crash that wasn't your fault. Now you have injuries, medical bills, lost income, property damage, and have to deal with the disruption to your life. So now what? Where do you go from here? Don't assume that the insurance companies will look out for you. Insurance companies will go to great lengths to tilt the playing field in their favor, and you need an experienced attorney on your side who has your back. Travis Legal Offices understands how hard it is to deal with the aftermath of car collisions and wants to be in your corner fighting for what you deserve. Travis Legal Offices is a family-run law firm experienced in Colorado personal injury cases and insurance disputes. Travis Legal Offices has attorneys who are educated locally here at DUNCU. You guys know I'm all about the Colorado people here. Uh, At their law schools and a staff that has more than 35 years of experience in handling personally injury cases, call Travis Legal Office today at 303 766 8766 for a free consultation on your personal injury matter. That's 303 766 8766 Uh, and again, these things will be in the uh description of this show. So whether you're listening to a podcast or watching it on YouTube, you can get that right right there in the description. Um, they've got a great motto here: Travis Respect, response, results. It's Travis Legal. All right, back here with Andre Simone, general manager here at DNBR. So tell me the guy here. How do I say his name? I know he's a the, the guard player here, um, and I know he's with the Utah Jazz, but what's his name and
2: what's his deal? Yeah, Simone Fontecchio. Um, F- Fontecchio? Yeah, Fontecchio. Right. Fontecchio, got it. There you go. There he is. There he I is. I have to do
0: this. I have to do a it's a uh, tickyo.
2: See, maybe that's what I need to do with my daughter. It's just to get get into <laughs> the the hand gesture. Doing. Actually,
0: yeah, speaking of fantastic. which, a little aside, Aaron Gordon at the game the other day, we did the whole, we did a whole segment on how cool it was. And I missed maybe the greatest detail, Andre. You might have missed it too. In one of his photos, Kale, maybe if you if you have that handy still on, on the, the computer, he's giving this one. Which I don't know if you know this, Andre. This is the yeah. Serbian hand sign. I'm not, somebody told me it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like the three fingers, mm. Orthodox mm. Christianity, obviously extremely popular. Somebody told me that. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but in his photo, he's given this one. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, Aaron Gordon, like, he has a little prep. Even before his trip, he had to learn a little bit so that he could really connect. I don't know, but either way, I was very impressed with that detail yeah
2: uh, there it is look at him
0: look Look at that
2: wow and i almost you know because in in europe when you count and you start at one you would actually use your thumb instead of your index so technically that could be him holding up a a three sign you know instead of doing the the classic goggles three you know that's european three right there
0: i think you're underselling this um and i don't like it (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i
2: i don't get it i wasn't in Syria for 10 days so i'm i'm out the loop adam um there you go i defer to you and Aaron gordon but yeah erin <laughs> yeah, on this one <laughs> exactly um is a is a really intriguing guy a guy who my team should have signed um ito Messina, the former spurs um assistant and now the coach of my milan team said that you know they were about to sign him and he kind of told him like I only thought we'd offer you like 10 minutes a game instead he goes to Germany and really breaks out kind of becomes one of the EuroLeague's young stars Um, he's got length he's bouncy he's going to be the one guy on this team um with some shot creation ability a little mid-range game to him his defense is plausible though in this tournament it seems like guys are blowing by him a little too easily and he's also going to be one of the few guys who can actually be a a factor as a one man fast break. It'll be really mm. interesting to see how he does at the Jazz. I think there's more NBA skill and ability than the last two guys who've uh, come across the pond from Italy and Nicolò Melli and Gigi Datome who didn't really make it more than 2 NBA seasons as a like true dead on the bench guys. Um, so he's intriguing. He's a he's a legit like NBA wing with Size and uh, some offensive skill and and some athleticism to him, and that front court with him at small forward is really like the strength of this team. How tall is he? I think he's listed at 6'8. So oh, not, wow, not bad for a small, yeah, you're right. In Europe,
0: oh, uh, yeah, bad. in my mind, he was way smaller. Um, he's averaging, by the way, 19.2 points per game, Jokic 19.6. So, just to give you a crazy, he's scoring like Jokic, no, he's shooting 20. 20- percent worse from the field but i mean center wing it's to be expected um you know whatever but it's just kind of a note that to me it does seem to tell me if you agree with this if they can contain him meaning if they can make him have a bad game a below average game it should be a comfortable game for for serbia
2: no doubt no doubt he's uh he and nicolo Melli are really the big factors and it'll be interesting to see how much Lucic and Fontecky are guarding each other. I mean, they're both coming from the German league. They should know each other's game quite well. Uh, comparable size-wise, um, I'd almost compare Fontecky to the, the Serbian Bogdanovic um, in that he's a you know he can he can do a lot of things well, but not necessarily truly great at anything in particular. And Melly, even though he's not shooting well and offensively, he's only going to give you so much. He is their defensive anchor in this European format where the, the courts shrink and the spacing isn't nearly what we're used to in the NBA. Melly's turned into a really rangy defender, and he's also the key to being able to hang with anyone on the boards. So if Joke gets him in foul trouble nice and early, Italy's kind of going to be doomed. If instead he can, you know, stay fresh foul-wise and play the way he did against Croatia, where he was the player of the game, went off for 19 points, really filled uh, the box score, and they were able to beat the, the Croatians, um, then I think they could really hang. So, yeah, I think those guys are, are really the, the two key starters there.
0: Do they have any chance, though? I mean, Yoke obviously demolishes everyone, but do you really give you know Melly and, and, and company a chance there to guard
2: Yoke? They're gonna be they're gonna have to play out of their mind. I think the real chance is they get hot from the three point line, and that's where not okay. just Fundicio and Melly is gonna have to step in. They're stretch four. Um, Polonara, Achille Polonara, who plays out in Spain. So he's playing at a pretty high level for his club team. He's got he he's bouncy, he's got some range on the pick and pop. Um, and he he really heated up and was the MVP for Italy when they beat Serbia last summer. So what's his name again?
0: Polonara? Achille,
2: yeah, Polonara, yes. Polonara, he's six foot nine,
0: man. Wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he feels taller on a Euro court. Um, really? And then they've, they've got this intriguing backup point guard. He plays in Bologna. The, the backup uh, backcourt for the Bologna team is Nico Mannion and this um, Alessandro Payola, who's really one of the uh-huh. best on-ball defenders in Europe right now and still relatively young. Payola is so key defensively, but if he can hit anywhere close to 40% from three, then we're cooking with gas a little bit. Well, um, there you go. So, yeah. Huh,
0: well, yeah, it's interesting. He has big hair. I can already tell Eric's going to yes. hate this guy. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric, big not really a fan hair. of big hair. Hey, uh, to each their own. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I trim my stuff back out of respect to Eric.
0: <laughs> you are so respectful, Trey. It's one thing I love about you. you know, I'm circling back here. Here we see the Serbian salute. Here we see this guy who is there at the waterfront. He runs a bungee court. He calls himself the Nikola Tesla of uh, bungee jumping. And then you have this one here, of course, Nemanja Jokic, along with Superstar Dev, who himself knows the Serbian salute. So just okay. for people that don't, I know my Serbian audience knows, but American audience, they're learning. This is the uh, apparently the correct way to say it. Um, I want to talk quick Nuggets stuff here, though, because you're an Italian fan, basketball fan, you're a European basketball fan, but you're a Denver Nuggets basketball fan as well. Indeed. Jamal Murray is back in town, according to the Nuggets' social media accounts, and working out with the rest of the guys who have been here for most of it. You know, the, the youngsters they tend to stay close, trying to make good impression on coaches and work with the coaching staff on the things they're supposed to. You got Zeke Naji, Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Davon Reed, Peyton Watson, all of those guys. Uh, Jack, um, Jack White, those guys have all been in town, but Jamal Murray is actually starting to. Uh, You know he's starting to work out with those guys at least on on the videos, and I think it's kind of meaningful. I feel like him working out in five on five situations with the team. These are probably I mean they're all happening behind closed doors. I imagine they are important events for Jamal Murray's ramp up towards training camp.
2: I mean it's exciting. It's uh, you know the updates have been hard to come by, and it's kind of been like, well, when is this finally going to happen? To hear that that's actually occurring is. Real breath of fresh air. It'd be like me hearing Gallinari is finally healthy for the Italian national. <laughs> uh, which, is, spoiler alert, will never happen. Yeah, same uh, with the Nuggets. I, it's just yeah, the cycle, yeah, exactly, man. Like, exactly. come on, it, it's it's just the same, Adam. I go from Nuggets ball to then in the summer suffer as an Italy basketball fan. It's just a natural transition. But no, I mean that's obviously huge to think that Jamal is already getting back to five on five and think that he could actually be ready to start the season, which I imagine is the timeline.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, the the whole question I have, one of the big questions I have is at training camp, where is Jamal? hundred percent. We need to ramp him up. You need to get used to it. Or is it, Hey, we're taking things slow. And just seeing him go through some of these reps to me, you have to imagine him and bones going back and forth at each other, playing alongside each other, just getting Mm -hmm. reps, And I hope that's raising the both intensity and comfort level for Jamal so that when training camp comes, there's a mental hurdle to all of this. And I don't expect it to be 100% over, but I do imagine these workouts are at least chipping away and getting you closer there. And that's why I just thought it was Mm -hmm. so cool to see him participating in those five-on-fives.
2: Yeah, I mean, having one of your franchise players here with the team while is over in Serbia is also really nice, you know. He's one of those guys that's got that dog in him. So for those kids to <laughs> kind of take that in and be around it's huge.
0: Do you, what's your, is there one take you have on the nuggets you want to get off your chest just for this upcoming season? One, one player or one, one event that you think is going to happen or something like that. I'm putting you on the spot. I know you got to have, you I have mean... quirky taste, man. You got to have some random player. Like, are you a big Vlaco Chanchar fan or something? Is there, is there some <laughs> weird guy that you're like, Hey man, Nobody's talking about.
2: I mean, Jackson. I like these two rookies. I like the two rookies, the whole hell of a lot. Um, I'm probably okay. higher on Peyton Watson than most. I just think there's a lot of tools to work with. And uh, I really think Christian Braun is kind of what the doctor ordered and a guy that should be in that rotation sooner rather than later. Um, I, maybe my hottest take is they, they got to still figure out that backup center spot, which might just be stupid, but um I feel like that's, there's a lot of teams where that's already such a disadvantage against their starting fives. If you could throw out a little more size with that backup unit to keep that um, mismatch going in the Nuggets' favor, that that could be huge. But I'm high on the rookies. I'm really all in on Christian Brown. And um, I probably called Braun just a second ago. Shame on me. And, uh, yeah, I think it's they impossible need a backup. to. Yeah, it's hard. It's like so
0: annoying that every time you, I, I do Braun Brown every time. That's how I say his name. His name is basically Braun Brown to me. Uh, oh, yeah. In my head. Uh, he is Andre Simone of DNVR bets. You can catch that every day. He's also on the tailgate show. He's also the general manager here at the NBR. The tailgate show, by the way, back Sunday morning, Dre will be there wow. drinking wow. some beers, making some I predictions, so. and who yeah. knows, maybe making a fool. We'll get Uh-oh. the full trash back then.
2: That uh, we do know. That's the one guarantee we do know. Yeah. I'm honestly struggling with all these European sports and Eurobasket. There's a Volleyball World Championship going on right now at two guys in the U.S. Open. I'm kind of struggling to even stay locked in on one sport during these weekends. It's... Uh, it's been fun, but uh, my family also hates me for it. So, you know, I got that
0: <laughs> The next couple of months, those are the months where the, our families yeah. really hate us, man. We're we're just gone yes. so much. Indeed. And uh, yeah. hopefully we're both not divorced by January. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, if you're in Denver, don't forget the uh, DNVR bar is opening tonight. We're throwing a little bit of a party. Ooh. So if you're in town, come on, hang out with us. I'll be here eating some food. I haven't
2: decided what I'm eating tonight, but you know what you're eating tonight, Dre? No, I got to see the names. The names on the menu are really going to sway me. I know there's some great named burgers. um, So I'm leaning that direction, but I need to assess the the full menu before I can dive.
0: Kale in the uh, behind the scenes is saying he's going for the avalanche nachos. I got to be honest, man. That's what I want. But I've already had them. And I feel like it's early days. I got to sample. I got to stretch my wings, you know, try to get some different things. Either way, we're going to be here. We'll also be at the bar on Sunday. Uh, I am told we will have the game on. I think our doors open at 10. The game starts at 10. So it's going to be one of those things where you walk in, have the game going uh, all at once. But it's also the first day of Sunday football. So what a great day for you to come down to the DNBR bar Sunday, catch a little Jokic, catch a little Serbia, catch a little NFL. We'll have all that going. Everybody hit that like button on the way out, and we will see you Sunday for a post-game show. Adios.